God damn it, it's already been a month. Uh, is this as long as you ever committed to something? My girlfriends or ex-girlfriends might agree with that. <laughs> um, but, and uh, yeah, shit, shit came out firing. <laughs> we came out firing. This is going to be a spicy episode. Of course, it is myself, Christian Soto, Matt Berkey, the spicy flag. And we're, we're here, man. We're, we're popping. This episode is going to be one of my favorites. We have a guest once again. Uh, the guest is Rob Martinez. Uh, pretty much a sports medicine, sports fitness, uh, kinesiology specialist, uh, certified in U.S. Olympic weightlifting. Really excited for that portion of the podcast. Uh, really exposing pretty much everything we do badly at the gym. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just pretty much stripping us down, letting us know uh, why we're just fundamentally wrong, and then building us back up again. Yeah, exactly. So like, never bench press and everything like that. Yeah. But it was—it's actually a really good conversation as it pertains to pretty much the process of like getting into the gym and like what people do well and what people don't do well, and like highlighting all the things that are kind of just like myths, you know, and and. It, you know, myths of the industry. And, and that, I think that can be said of all industries. So, like, even in poker, there's a lot of just, like, oh, did he really win a million dollars in this tournament? It's like, no, nah, he was probably had, like, 25% of himself. Yeah. And, you know, and it's not really what you what you think it is. And he probably has, like, 100,000 in buy-ins. Like, right. You know, it, it's way different. And similar in fitness, it's like, you know, we've been talking about fitness now for, like, three weeks, so I thought it was pretty good timing to bring him in. But similar in that, you know, he talks about like these like six week programs and yeah. like, all this kind of stuff that like. So I actually thought the opposite. I, I'm very cognizant of the fact that we talk about fitness and nutrition a lot. And mm. I was a little fearful of uh, kind of like front loading all of this stuff together. Uh, I just don't want the audience to get tired and tune us out. But it's kind of a down week in poker. There's not a lot going on. You know, I didn't, I didn't play the Venetian Monday through Wednesday. I had to take some time off. Just getting ready for next week. Next week's going to be a down week for me, too. So, you know, it seemed like a good time to, uh, to take advantage of a guest who's pretty knowledgeable in a lot of stuff. Yeah. And also, like, we're going to talk about other topics. Like, my, the goal is, you know, as topics come up, you know, we'll invite guests yeah. that fit those narratives. So, like, maybe the next topic is a relationship expert. I don't know. I mean, we got this, like, every- <laughs> so it sounds like you might need one, big guy. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, man. you talking about commitments and shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we got this nice little uh, pattern of every other we seem to be bringing a guest on. Maybe we'll keep it up for a while. I, I think I'm going to bring in Alex Fox and talk about his relationship with Chris. See, <laughs> see, what, see what's going on over there. Anyway, so... This week was the double stack, mm-hmm. uh, and it looked like I had a really good turnout. It looked like the turnout was Massive. amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know, 40,000 starting chips and, you know, hour levels. It, Why? Turnout, turnout was amazing. Why was this tournament, in your opinion, seemingly so much slower than uh, the Big 50? Because well, the structures weren't that different, right? It was a 10-minute differential on levels, but you got 10,000 extra starting chips in the big 50. Yeah. The flights of the big 50 well, played into the money. Well, there was the big 50 skipped a level. They skipped the 500 level. So okay. it went two, four, three, six. Okay. That matters. So that's a big inflection point. Wipes yep. out a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and as well as probably that 10,000 chip and that inflection probably, uh, like, wait, no, you got 10,000 more. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, but you maybe played, the, you played two extra levels. Yeah, that's probably what it is. But you got ten thousand extra starting chips. But by level twelve of the the double stack, there was still like you know thirty five percent of the field remaining. Yeah, I mean, there's also just the the realness of like you know, there's a lot of people in there and they're flinging it in, and you know. So, I, mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess like what's 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 your take on this? Because I've heard a lot of grumblings. So apparently, like. Uh, there's a certain subset of poker players yeah. that, that like kind of run around together that like refuse to play ten-handed poker. They don't care what the value is. They just won't do it. The thing is like uh, where, so I come from well, uh, like most of the big tournaments on the East Coast are at Brigada. Mm -hmm. So Brigada, those of you that don't know, is the major casino in Atlantic City. All the tournaments, all the big major tournaments are at Brigada, and they pretty much do this every time. Like every three months, they have their opening event for their series. It's a $500 tournament with like a stupid price pool, like yeah. 2 million, 3 yeah. million, whatever. And it's always 10 handed. Mm -hmm. And there's always been that complaint of 10 handed poker. I agree with the, I don't like it as a pro, right? It's, it's annoying, but I think we have to kind of give an exchange. It's like, you're getting a $500 tournament with a massive prize pool. All these recreational players are, are, are sitting with you. If you have to sit one extra player, then so be it. Like, even coming from a cash game background, like, if that 10th seat gets filled, you know why it's filled. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not because it's not I'll by accident. I'll make room for 11 if, right. it's, if the price is right. Right, exactly. If I'm getting enough EV out of that extra seat, Correct. Let's, let's have them sit. Right. So it's like, yeah, I understand. You don't really know what your ranges are here, 10-handed or whatever. But, like, come on, man. It's a $500 tournament. Or whatever it is, like 1K I think, now. I think yeah. this attitude speaks to the new age pro and why everybody hates that, that profile, right? They are so centrally focused on their own personal edge and how it's derived that anything that takes them out of any level of comfort is, is too much, right? And it's unforgivable. And there's just no willfulness to exchange EV in order to gain EV, right? So if you get a field that is 50% recreational players, right. do you know how big of a favorite you are as a winning professional? Correct. Compared to a field where those 50% just aren't playing? Yeah. It's night and day, right? And the narcissism tells these guys that like, oh, well, in a WPT 3,500, 200-man field, I'm still a big favorite. It's like, you're not. You're and just also, not, like, who cares? Like, yeah, it's like a, your ROI might be like 30% in that field. It might be 300% in this 10-handed field that you refuse to play Yeah, because it's annoying to you. I think, I think, you know, looking at it from their side, I think there's fair arguments in that once we get a couple, like, you know, 100 tables that busted, like, we could go nine-handed. Like, it's not... But they're running multiple events. You have, to, you have to understand. You can't have your cake and eat it too, right? The World Series is special because of what it is. You get to play an event the second after you bust one. Right. There's always something running. The reason why they can facilitate all of that is due to these small compromises that you have to make. Nobody was playing 10-handed in the money, right? That's fair, yeah. Once, once the bubble broke, it was a nine-handed event from that point forward. They do their best to accommodate. And I think it's like crazy, uh, you know, I, not, not to throw him under the bus. Like, I love Osmus to death, but like he was miserable at how slow the structure is. And it's like, mm. I get it. But max late reg, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's just not that big a deal. Like do whatever most benefits you to make this stuff palatable and tolerable to yourself. Some pros like, like myself, 
love the structure like this, right? Where it's like, I'm, I'm fine, man. You're gonna give me 40,000 chips with our levels? Let's go. Like, I'll be, this is what I'm built for. Like, I'm built for deep games where we're playing streets. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't like the, I mean, you know this. Like, when I came out here initially, I'm like, damn, like, 40-minute levels with, with, with 15,000 chips? I paid $1,600. Yeah. Like, it's like $1,600 on the East Coast gets you, like, 50,000 chips, <laughs> hour levels. After dinner on day two, it's hour and a half. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, yo, this is great. I'll be here all day. Yeah. But. Oh, you're in it. No, well, <laughs> I'm trying to, uh, like, I thought my EV was higher there. So, like. Also, just, I, like. We want to play rivers, man. Yeah, exactly. So it's one of those things where I understand both sides where it's like, yes, you're going to play less tournaments now because you're just going to be in this tournament longer. So it's kind of annoying. You're missing. uh, There's opportunity cost to these structures. At the same time, if you're able to get deep in this tournament, your EV is also way higher. Right. Right. So it's like that. That's that's my big thing. If hourlies are decreasing. But EV is increasing. Isn't it worth that exchange? I'm not so sure hourlies are decreasing only because what percentage of the time are we now finishing top five, top three? That's that's because, my but that's my because point. of that. That's yeah. my point. Your EV is increasing. Right. So your expected value in these events is definitely going up. Right. But I think that your hourly is naturally going down because you're playing more hours of yeah, yeah. outside the money poker. So effectively, yeah, whenever they were all three-day events, uh, when you would continually bust day ones, you invested fewer hours to yeah. make zero dollars, right? Yeah. Now you're investing more hours to make zero dollars, but uh, when you do start to put in hours of making money, yeah, it, you you begin to make more money. Prize pools are inflated, first place is elevated. You're yeah. winning, you, you know, maybe you're not winning them more often because the fields are huge. But you're winning big prizes yeah. more often if you're a skilled pro. Yeah, I think I think it's just a different landscape now where it's like by now, at this point in the series, we would have been playing. We would have almost been playing like 15 events. Well, you know, what's you know? like crazy to me is that uh, I think a lot of guys would happily exchange the opposite. So I think a lot of guys would be happy to play small field turbos that ended in one day. Which is maddening to me because now your hourly may increase slightly, but your EV is drastically dropping. Yeah, I, I think I, I can see that, especially people that already have. Uh... So I think I think we have two different camps. Like Jeremy Osmus uh, and and that camp of let's just say longtime winning pros probably already have substantial bank rolls, right? Mm-hmm. Also plays uh, cash. Right. I, I'm not saying, I don't know, I don't know Jeremy's situation, but like generally speaking, I'm talking about that type of pro. Yeah. Plays cash, 1020 plus, plays big tournaments, sometimes plays high rollers. Mm-hmm. So like uh, by all accounts, probably well to do already in the industry. Then there's players somewhat like, like me where it's like, I don't play high rollers. I'll play some high stakes cash and I'll play bigger tournaments uh, with backing, right? And then there's like a level under me where it's potentially just, you know, guys that are trying to break through. I think these big field tournaments with massive prize pools are really important for everyone under Jeremy Osmus, right. including myself. Right, right, right. Like, I, because this is a massive field. Like, if I win this tournament, I could break through to that next level. 
Right. But when you're on that level already, this seems like the frequency in which you're going to win this tournament is a waste of fucking time. Yeah. You know? uh, no, it's 100% true. The season pro, uh, and, and I don't want to keep saying Osmus because it's unfair. I, I think all of us fall into that camp. Myself, Dan, Osmus, a- anybody who's been playing for 10, 15 years, yeah. right? We all fall into that camp where it's just like uh, there's this weird juggling act between how is my time best invested? Right. But that, I think there's a, a further delineation in the not only season pro, like you need to have money already. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. well, the idea, the concept is if you've been playing for 10 to 15 years, you probably have some right. stability. But in we your both career. know that that's not exactly that's not exactly true. Right. But there is there. It's outliers to find somebody who's been playing consistently for 15 years and is dead broke. Let me not start talking. <laughs> well, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, generally speaking though, like there's some stability there and it's difficult. It's a, it's a tough juggling act, especially like if you do have a family, uh, or other responsibilities, like you need to figure out the best way to be investing your time. Yeah. And that's really, really hard, but the world series is also really special. So I think the thing that like our generation and now this new generation, this new wave of the quote unquote younger online generation, uh, for me that's now reaching their late twenties and uh, you know yeah, entering 30s, yeah. entering the the twilight of their career, if you want. Um, I, I think the allure is stripped down. You know, when I first got into the into poker, you would see Phil Ivey in hundred percent of events. Right. That was a huge thing back then, right? Bracelet bets, uh, Player of the Year bets, right, right. like all these things were massive. It doesn't occur anymore, right? Like right, it's lost its allure to high roller circuit to high stakes cash. Um, there's just like better ways to have a much, much, much greater hourly, mm-hmm. even if your EV is slightly lower. Yeah. That kind of sucks because first of all, everyone's not IV, but secondly, like you hate to lose uh, the traditional faces of the game in the most important spectacle that we actually can put onto a stage, right? So I think it's great to see guys like Chewy represented at final tables. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's he's kind of like the old new guard, if right, you will. Right, like, right, sure. right? Like he's taking over from from the Mattisals. And, and the- I had this conversation with Chewy in uh, one of the podcasts that we do for, for the subsite. I was like, bro, like I looked up to you for a long time. Like I knew who you were when like you wore that uh, patch on that table with Ivy, like mm-hmm. Lego poker. Like yeah. I was like, I remember that. Like that's that's still in my brain in that when Ivy asked you what is that? And then eventually you were like, Oh, that's a training site. And then a couple months later Ivy starts his training site mm-hmm. off the back of hearing you talk about poker like that. Yeah. So it's interesting, like but I would have never even seen that conversation. I might have never even gotten into training sites and, and, and stuff if I didn't see that conversation on tv yeah and that conversation only happened because ivy was on tv yeah totally understand and i think it's kind of our responsibility as that next wave to further facilitate the allure of the wsop to uh you know be mindful of the negativity that we spread whenever we're being overly critical about something that we understand is not only just a business decision but also not harming us that much in the long run yeah. If at all. I mean, I'm trying to, I, I, I try to see their side. I do I see can. their side. The rake, I, like, think about it like this. Like, okay. Like, okay. Not saying I support their side. Not saying I support our side. Just trying to play devil's advocate. And the rake is really high in all these events. Yeah. Right. We're playing 10 handed poker at points where it's debatable if, if we could just now play nine. Right. Um, those are two, billi- two big factors already that are like 
annoying to, to professionals. Don't play. Would I you mean, ever we, not play? Yeah, but then that's like, that's, that's an unfair argument where it's like, stars, stars said that for a long time too, where it's like, okay, well then don't play. It's like, no, you're still, you're still messing with us. Like, it's Do you know unfair. why? Because they didn't have a competition. No, it's not, it's not that at all. There's plenty of competition. Go to the Venetian, go to the win, go play Aria high rollers. Right. That have no rake. Do you know why you keep showing up to the World Series day in and day out? Yeah, because the, you know, the pool, the, the price. The juice is the worth the squeeze. Everything that they're taxing you is absolutely worth it because at the end of the day, your bottom line is higher in these events. Yeah, but I mean, at some point, there's, at some there's point, a line, right? At some point, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to see At the some point, side, you're you know? skinning the sheep instead of shearing it. And not everybody can just be that selfish. You, there's an old gambler's maxim that... If you want action, you've got to give action. Right. And over the last decade, that's been completely and utterly lost amongst the community. We've shifted from a game rooted in gambling into a strategic game that nobody ever wants to give up any sort of edge in. Yeah. There's a reason that maximum exists. Fun fundamentally speaking, as long as you want to be bringing in new money and you want to facilitate high returns, you absolutely have to be doing right by your quote-unquote customers. There's a reason why guys who gamble high on the floor have VIP hosts, and they get hundreds of thousands of dollars of kickbacks. They get yeah. flown places. They get yeah. private cars and you know all these lavish things. There's a reason for that. It's because though the edge is small that the house is taking, they are taking it indefinitely. Right. right? They are taking 2% of their bets 100% of the time right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. in the long run. Yeah. And it's the same thing as a seasoned pro. You are winning that money. And if this festival ceased to exist, your ability to earn greatly decreases. There's no other event throughout the course of the year where you can get 10,000 people in the same city gambling and playing poker. So you have to treat your consumer well. You have to give them a good experience. And more importantly, you have to not take the blinders off of them and make it apparent to them of all the things that a annoy you that can now annoy them and give them a bad experience. So when pros start saying like, yo, this 10 handed's bullshit. These structures are too long. This is bullshit. The Rex catch wind of that. Right. And the Rex look to mimic. That's how they try to get better in their game. Right. They're like, Hey man, I, 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 I don't like 10 handed either. You know, like this is no, I don't want to play one K I'm just gonna go to the Venetian. They're nine handed. Yeah. I'm with you, but Maybe maybe nine-handed is more enjoyable for everybody. It is more enjoyable, of course. Right. But more enjoyable than that is a $3 million prize pool as opposed to a $2 million one because you had to turn 1,000 people away. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see how that uh, yeah, progresses. We'll so let's uh, move into some uh, poker play. So Nice chest, 
yes They heard I used to rock guests But now I'm rocking clothes that ain't in the stores yet Travel back in time I'm in a vortex Trying to make a workout Think I need more reps Used to take a bus Now the boy board jets Cause kids got me buzzing like a fucking hornet They say I got next Tell them that I got now It's all Disney, boy, my family proud Make them say L, make them say O The hoes that tell me yes, the same ones that tell you no Whoa, I ain't just an average Joe Way above the average flow, boy, my life is most dope No matter uh, where life takes me, find me with a smile You're gonna pick a card, okay? Take one out Show to the camera, I don't wanna see it, okay? Say stop whenever you want Stop Right here Second. Okay, so I'm gonna shuffle the cards face up into face down. You see that? So there's a whole mess in the card, yes? Yeah. Okay, so a whole mess. Just say stop whenever you want. Stop. Put the card in. Okay, now I need you to take your camera and put it on just just a picture. You can stand there as well, like but all the time there, okay? Okay. Great. <laughs> Look, hold hold the hand the cards like this. Okay, good. Give me your cell phone. So just smile to the camera. Beautiful. Close the cards, put them on your cell phone. Okay. So only one card will be turned over. Would that impress you? Yes. Will you give me your phone number? <laughs> no, never mind. He's facing the other way. Wow. Look. It didn't happen in the deck. That would be really cool. But you know what would be cooler? If it happened on your phone. Can you go to the picture? Do you see only one card facing the other way? Wow. Wait, was, was that that way? That's my card! <laughs> what kind of sorcery is this? What's up, everybody? I am currently deep in the 50K uh, high roller on WSOP.com. So the guarantee was 50,000. Uh, the buy-in was actually 1,000. Uh, so as you can see, we are three of 16. I'm gonna choose to raise rather than limp now that Quasar is so short. Cal is kind of free to three bet me here and apply a lot of pressure to the ICM bubble. Fortunately, he doesn't. So when he chooses not to three bet me pre, I think that that means he has like pretty trashy hands. Uh, I'm actually gonna choose the C bet here. The Jack is interesting. Uh, I actually think I'm gonna check back here and just induce river bluffs. And that's, that's the dream right there. So I anticipate him leading here for about, I was gonna say 25,000. We want to raise for sure. And we wanna do it in a way where it appears that there's fold equity. 92,000 yeah just a little over half pot play him a pretty good price with a queen and if he were to shove here that's disgusting that's the best news we've seen all day the hero payoff so I'm guessing we're gonna see a hand like queen dust yeah queen four off and that makes perfect sense Imagination, making musical creation, a journey that I'm facing, plus the paper that I'm chasing. Got me crazy after saying with the lames I see you hating, but there's nothing that you're changing. Thumbs up, I'm maintaining. No complaining when it's raining, I'll be in another zone. So, uh, talking about the double sack, I was in an interesting conundrum where a lot of people, well, a lot of our group and my friends that are pros said it was an easy decision. Some other people said maybe it was a little bit not of a decision, right? So we're on pretty much the direct bubble, mm -hmm. like stone bubble at 14 blinds. Action folds around to the button who has 23 blinds. He moves all in. Okay. The small blind who has 35 blinds. Covers you both. 
folds. Okay. This is important information because he's shoving into someone that can bust him. Sure. 14 blinds, direct bubble, jacks. Oof. Double stack, 1K buy-in, 1.5X min cash. I was like, well, I have to accept that around 30% of the time I'm going to bubble this tournament. Yep. If I want to choose to call, that mm -hmm. is the truth. Yep. Right? And then roughly 70% of the time, I'm going to double these chips. Mm -hmm. Right? And I said, I think that my hand is a little bit too strong, and I have to, like, probably call this off. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's a healthy way to examine it. I think that the, the more the money matters, the less you'll be able to reason that out. So if this is, well, the problem is that the more the money matters, the less likely your 14 blind stack is to cash, right? So if this is the bubble of the 100K, right. you're probably still in danger of just busting. Yeah. Like you're just not going to sneak in with 14 blinds. This bubble is going to take some time. Correct. Um, but, you know, let's say it's the bubble of the main event where it's generally going to bust pretty quickly and you just make $15,000 by folding this hand, like almost 100%. Oh, for sure. Time. 100%. Because I'm, yeah. the, I'm the big blind and it has to go around again. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, like, literally almost 100% of the time you just make 14000 Probably worth passing. Right? It's, it's probably just worth saying, like, I'll take my 14K and uh, pass on the opportunity to have a stack that's maybe worth, like, 17000 instead of, uh, you know, 15000 Right? It's Because, like, double, yeah. doubling matters for sure. It's, yeah. it's worth something to you. But being out of the main event is, is hard. Being out of the main event as the direct bubble boy is seemingly a mistake. You got another buy next year. Uh, yeah, well, sometimes. Yeah. Uh, well, multiple depends, yeah, multiple yeah. people. Right. So, uh, I, I mean, I guess like, the whole thing I'm getting at is that like, that's a pretty special event. Right. Generally speaking, though, like, I think even if we just follow the ICM model here, it's a call. What if it was LAPC, which is a different 10K? Right. Is it a call now? I mean, it's it's always a call. Correct. Like, let's be right. clear. Okay. It's just always a call. Okay. I just think, like... There's uh, exceptions. Th well, I think there are, like, emotional exceptions that you can make. Okay. Right? Where it's just, like, if $14,000 is going to be impactful to you, right? Like, if that's, like, a reasonable percentage of your net worth, say say you're worth hundred k, right? right? It's probably important to cash here. Right? Increasing your net worth by 14%. Yeah is pretty significant. Yeah, and I think this is the problem with tournaments. Like, we're just not rolled for these tournaments. Right. Like, that's the truth. Right, like, right, yeah. Because this is just a call. Yeah. Period. The, but it, you're also making money through the fold. That's that's the irony. Right, but is it is it more than the no, call? No. Probably it, not. Probably right? not. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Actually, I, mean, I bet it's really, really close, though. Right. If, if, like, if you're of the assumption that you'll cash 100% or, like, say, something close, like 98% of the time, but you're only going to double 70%, and when you double, that stack's only worth like maybe twenty percent more money. Then, like, it actually might it you might actually might make more money folding. Yeah. So the reason I ended up calling was just like, okay, well, you know, I, I walked through it. I was like, he doesn't have aces. He doesn't have kings. He doesn't have queens. I'm like, so I, I'm not afraid of a over pair. Yeah. In my mind. Yeah. He could have king queen. Could have ace queen, could have ace king, mm -hmm. but he also could just have like eights. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Right. So I'm like, okay, well. I'm just going to call. Like, I, I was just like, this is annoying. Like, yeah. this is super annoying. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I ended up calling. He has a ace-deuce offsuit, which I was really surprised to see. I mean, people just make mistakes. I'm just man. like, okay. That's a punt. So I'm trying to rationalize, like, later on in the day when I was like, 
I went straight to the gym after. I was just like, because you didn't win. No, no, of course not. How the fuck did I win that? Why would this even be a topic in the podcast? <laughs> um, I'm trying to say, I'm trying to realize, I'm, I'm trying to rationalize as it pertains to why he did that. And I'm like, okay, I understand why. He knew he had to raise because he has an ace, mm-hmm. but he didn't want to raise fold because he thought he could just get exploited on the, on, on the right. bubble. So right. he was shoving. Yeah. But the truth is he probably should just fold. Yeah, uh, it's definitely an open fold on yeah, the Yeah, you should just fold because the guy could just exploit you. That's why you just fold. The 35 fold. blind stack yeah. could literally just be all in dark. Correct. Yeah. Um, that's, that's actually uh, that's, that's a good segue into uh, kind of like getting on this topic with Rob, uh, teasing that out a little bit. I think that it annoys you a little bit, but like I use your journey as an example a lot. Nah. <laughs> It's like I'm most familiar to it. I'm most yeah. familiar to like where your resistances come from. And more specifically, like I understand your process a lot. Like I saw your progression through poker and like how much you just engulf yourself with the information. As, as we got into the interview, uh, one thing that I wanted to make abundantly clear for the listener was how important it is to seek uh, professional guidance in areas where we kind of lack knowledge. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that Rob offers very uniquely in the fitness industry that most personal trainers aren't going to offer you. So we're joined by Rob finally on our place, on our ground. Finally. Now he looks shook. (laughs) 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 Nah, but uh, we've been uh, working with Rob now for, well, you've been working with Rob for like a couple years, but I've been working with Rob probably like a little less than a year. It's been like six years. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, Rob is the owner of the gym. It's clearly on his uh, on his shirt. The owner of the gym, also known as the owner of every gym. Uh, so let's let's give the people a little bit of like your background, so that they okay. so that they give a fuck what you're who you are. Sure. Uh, all right. So Rob Martinez, functional movement specialist, certified sports performance coach with USA Weightlifting, and a bachelor's in kinesiology there you go barely could say that word that's okay what does that mean so kinesiology is basically just the study of the human body the way it moves the way it functions the anatomy the physiology all the way down to the cellular level so you're like a scientist yeah basically body scientist if you will (laughs) Mm, i like that (laughs) (laughs) all right so we got a scientist all right so clearly they put you guys on that side yeah because i don't made me look better by myself here on, <laughs> on, on this side. Um, all right, so a couple of things I want to get into is what is it that you like do? Like when, when like what is your approach as it separates you from like someone else? I think to, to go there, I think we need to go like into my backstory a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I played collegiately baseball and football. Uh, both careers were ended by injury. And it was at that point where I knew that I wanted to do something that would benefit people long-term for the rest of their lives. And uh, so what I did is I got into coaching and I was coaching baseball. I was doing individual coaching for football, baseball players, basketball players, things like that. And it was, it was a Monday afternoon. I had a, a lesson with a 12-year-old pitcher. Uh, I've been working with this kid for six, seven months. Yeah. And we had to continuously work on the exact same thing every time he came in. Okay. We had to work on getting his shoulders back, getting his arm in the right slot. And he knew what he had to do, but we always had to, you know, go back to this one thing. And it was at that, that point where I said to myself, I'm not doing the best service possible. 
Um, you know, this kid's here for an hour. He's here every week for an hour. They're, we're missing something. We right. shouldn't have to go back to this really elementary movement pattern. Um, and that's when I started diving into movement patterns and, and functional movement, how the body actually works. And it was at that point where I called all my clients. I canceled all of them. I told them, give me six months and I'll be back. Yeah. Uh, and basically started diving into the, the functional movement screen and, and learning what we can do to better athletes uh, um, other than just, you know, having them, you know, flipping soft toss to them or having them throw pitches or tackling the tackling dummy and things like that. So I started strength training back in, oh my God, that was probably 04. So um, when, you, when you left for those six months, was that like scary for you? Like as it pertains to like telling all your clients like, like, I can't, I don't want sure. to, yeah, you know, sure. like how that, how that conversation goes. And I lost a ton of clients. I basically had to rebuild my business from the ground up. Yeah. Wow. And how was that? Like, was that, did you feel anxiety and stuff like that? A lot of anxiety. Yeah. So, anxiety. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, I think this is a really important follow-up because, uh, I found you through Dan. Yes. Uh, we both found you the same way. We tore our ACL. Yes. Uh, and I, I, at the time I was, we were both living with, uh, our friend Tyler, who is a PT. And he was like the first to kind of just say like PT's bullshit. Yes. And you're gonna get me in trouble, man. No, nah, it, it's 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 fine. <laughs> um, but you know, basically, like coming from him, it's just like okay, well, I at the time I was 30, and it's mm -hmm. like, well, I'm not done doing athletic endeavors. Sure. I want to do everything possible. I have time. I have money, and I'm intelligent enough to do my own research. So you know, I kind of came prepped, where I'm just open to any process that you have, and I'm willing to to kind of like follow your guidance. Mm -hmm. I imagine that's not your average client. Not my average client at all. This is a pretty tough sell yes. to go down the path of like, you need to move a certain way. Yes. And I think Christian's a prime example of this where there's a lot of resistance. So like, how do you get over the element of, you know, wanting to show up and just pump chest press every day? Really, it's an education process. And uh, unfortunately, but fortunately, a lot of my referral and a lot of my business comes from referrals. Um, you know, people who have had past experiences who, you know, have, have had unbelievable experiences at my facility, they're telling their friends and this, that, and the other. And that's where a lot of the business grows from. It's not an organic growth. You're not going to walk into my facility and go, man, this stuff is awesome. It's sexy. People are running around, weights are flying, things yeah. like that. But those, those niche businesses, they're above and beyond, just like you guys with Sulfur Y. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Know, I mean, it, it doesn't really apply to, to like, you know, training as a whole. Sure. If you're really giving high quality product, well, that means that there's probably some like nuanced layer to it where you're just not going for low hanging fruit. Right. Right. And that, that definitely becomes a challenge. Yeah. Um, obviously, like, you know, I think I can speak to it being a testament of it. My knee's been five for six years. Mm -hmm. I still go to you five days a week. Right. Uh, so I think a lot of other goals can be accomplished. Uh, <laughs> I think Chin can kind of like maybe speak to his first impression of. Mm. All right. I'll, I, I mean, let's let's. Let's get to the shits, right? Let's get to the shits. So I go to your gym first time. I'm like, yo, this is CrossFit. Like this is, this is CrossFit. Like I'm not- Four letter word, my man. Yeah, so like, so it's interesting because obviously I'm more educated now, but like, I just want to speak to like the initial impression of like why there's so much confusion sure. as it pertains to like athletics and, and just like weightlifting, et cetera. And I walk into a gym your, your gym, and I'm like, I mean, what the fuck is this? Like, this looks like something that, like, it, this is like the NFL Combine, kind of. Like, right. it's, 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 it's not, like, anything, like, really to do, but there's a lot to do, sure, right? Sure, sure. But 
I, you know, we start doing exercises after the assessment and we'll talk about the assessment for sure. Uh, but it's not like a, it's not like a gym as you see in like a commercial gym. And it's not as the, the movements you're doing are not like bench presses and like curls and things like that. Uh, so what do you say to someone at, like me at the time as it pertains to like, this isn't kind of what I'm used to signing up for? Well, in the, in the fitness world, there's, there's a lot of trains of thought. There's bodybuilding, there's CrossFit, which you touched on, which CrossFit as a sport, it's a great sport. And if you're a seasoned lifter and you know how to Olympic lift, and that's what you want to compete in, by all means. But if you're 42 coming off the couch, the, probably the last thing you want to be doing is, you know, overhead snatching and overhead squatting. And To, to that point, really quickly, not to derail this conversation because I think this question is important, but uh, you have a certification in uh, being able to teach Olympic weightlifting. Yes. How many people in Las Vegas have that certification? The last I checked, there was one. How many CrossFit gyms are there? In Las Vegas, forty. Uh, I don't right. know. <laughs> so like, I, think that, I, think, I think that kind of speaks a lot to like how sure. unregulated the market is, and uh, you know how much bad information there actually right. can be right. uh, around. And, and and you know, all the high school strength coaches. Yeah. You know, they they learned how to Olympic lift when they were sixteen years old from their head football coach. Right. And now they're teaching kids how to Olympic lift, and and we get it all the time. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many often we see a high school kid come in. Yeah, I just got done with my off-season training program and they're totally broken you know um and our our job my job as a as a functional movement specialist and as a trainer is to get these guys in the most healthy environment possible whether it's in the weight room or on the field because you can't play your sport or you can't live your life if you're hurt wait when you say like broken like what are there categories to that like so we do the functional movement screen okay and basically what the functional movement screen does is it allows us to identify what you should not be doing in the weight room. Okay? okay, so if you have a poor squat pattern, obviously we're not gonna use squats as a strength training tool. Um, if, you, you know, if you can't stand on one leg, we know that we need to create stability in, in, in the hips and things like that, or that the core's weak or the shoulders are tight. You know, we identify those weak points, fix the weak points, then we develop a sports performance program moving forward um, to help them you know, get better at their sport. Um, you know, the other buzzword around there is sports-specific training, which a lot of strength coaches and a lot of coaches talk about. Sports-specific training is done on the field. It's throwing the ball, kicking the ball, swinging the bat. Sports-specific training, yes, there are elements that we will do with certain athletes in the weight room, but sports-specific training does not happen in the weight room, okay? A volleyball player's knee works the same as a football player, works the same as a tennis player. They all need to have, there's requisite movements and requisite strength that we have to have. And... You know, to sit there and say, I've got a 12-week volleyball program that we're going to be starting in June is asinine, in my opinion. Because you have 15 athletes in there, all 15 of them are going to have different requirements. And I think, like, one big thing that you touched on there that I know I personally went through as a collegiate athlete is the the concept of, like, in-season training versus Mm off-season training. And that as if they're not rooted in the same fundamental foundation. Right. Right. So like, I think like kind of what you're speaking to is this whole idea of if you understand where your imbalances lie and you're training to, to correct those. Sure. That's always going to be the foundation from which you're building your program. Yes, absolutely. I know a lot of people listening are just starting their health and fitness journey. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I always keep coming back to chin because of two reasons. One, 
he's recently gone through it and I saw the transition. But two, I also saw like all the points of resistance. Right. And, you know, I, I think like he's spoken about that a lot. For somebody who's kind of on the other side of it, it was hard to just show up to the gym every day and do like stretching. Well, here's the thing, and, and this is human nature. Yeah, I need to talk about the stretching, man. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, we need to talk about the stretching. It's like 40 minutes of stretching, but go ahead. But, but this is human nature, okay? Yeah. You guys play poker. So somebody sits you down and says, Matt, you play these specific hands like shit. Mm-hmm. The first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna get a little defensive, right? Yep. That's exactly nah, what- Nah, not Berkey. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, but that's exactly what we do. My entire, your entire first experience, hour with me, month with me, is me telling you what you're bad at and how to fix it. And that's a huge point of resistance. It's much easier to walk into one of these group fitness class gyms that are on every corner in the the valley and get thrown into a class and do your thing and everyone's hooting and hollering and you're sweating and you leave and you're sore and that's fine, okay? Um, But that isn't going to give you the long-term benefit. That's not going to make, you know, that's not going to make long-term gains and and, and long-term health. That's not what it's going to do. So, yeah, it's absolutely a resistance factor because... It's a negative experience. I mean, I just wanted to squat, and Chin just wanted to bench press. Sure, and you couldn't squat because you had a horrible hip differential, yeah. and, and you have uh, poor shoulder mobility. Yeah. So we have to correct those things, bef- and now you squat. Yeah, Okay. all the time. You know? and, and yeah, that's the thing is that everything that he qualified is like, you know, you're not gonna walk in there and do that stuff. Well, I've been doing it there for a long right. time. I right. still bench, you know, I use dumbbells instead of bar, but, like, sure. but that's fine. It's, a, it's a progression bar. model, like, yeah. you know, I, I'm, Look, my favorite lifts are squats, deadlifts, hang cleans, bench press. And if I could run a gym on five exercises, those four and pull-ups, right. it, it, you'd have a lot of really strong, good-looking <laughs> mother people, whatever, sure. running around. Okay? Yeah. But not everybody can do that. And, and it's my responsibility as a trainer, and it should be every trainer's responsibility, to take people's health as their number one concern. Right. It is very very easy to throw 20 people in a room, crank the music up, turn a timer on, and say, this is your circuit. Those are not trainers. Those are exercise leaders. Oh, shit. Orange <laughs> theory. <laughs> bang, bang. I, I mean, honestly, this, this like, segues really well into like, you know, what we do also and uh, what we kind of stand for in a lot of ways, where it's like, I think your market's much larger, obviously. Yes. The, the fitness and nutrition market is massive. Uh, poker training is much, much smaller. But in both, what I see is that the fastest way to make money is to give people instant gratification, mm-hmm. right? If you, if you tell people a one, two, three, how-to sure. method, sure. they're so happy to just keep forking over small amounts of money. And, you know, personally, with my experience with you, like, I think it's really commendable that you put the education first. Because you're losing clients that way. Absolutely. It's hard. It's a Weekly. big point of resistance. Weekly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I talk about this a lot, or at least I have spoken about this a lot, where I think it's asinine that somewhere along the line, as, as men particularly who grow up in sport, we just think that like our ability to walk in the gym and know what we're doing mm-hmm. is like ranking high somehow. Sure. Like we're just, we come out of the womb sure. understanding how to navigate this space and throw weight around. Right. And it's kind of a crazy thing, right? It's like, 
once once you're kind of exposed to more of the educational side of things and like how the body actually functions and moves and a little bit of the kinesiology side of it, it's just like, oh, wow, I can't go to the gym now without just like being in horror. Well, talk, you know, men are inherently, they know how to work on cars as well, right? I mean, yeah. and this is the way I can best describe my facility. It is if you drove into a mechanics warehouse with all of the mechanics tools to change the oil, to change the tires, to do everything, everything you needed, that would be 24-hour fitness. There's no mechanics there, right? but all the equipment is there. You're right. probably going to be able to do most of the things you need to do. Not well, right. and you could really fuck something up, mm. but my shop is the mechanic shop. We got the mechanics on hand. We're going to show you exactly how to tailor your exercise program for your long-term health. So I want to talk about two I need to touch on something real fast. Yeah, yeah. I am not 5'4". This guy's, <laughs> this guy's sitting in some like booster seat thing. That's I'm not one of those short, like strong, stocky guys. I'm six two, but you know. You built this posture, man. Okay, exactly. You know, it's like I, I don't. I'm not gonna apologize for this. <laughs> I agree with you, man. I, I, I'm not wearing. We're, we're here natural. He's doing some <laughs> new shit. This is work in progress. This is finished product. That's, that's yeah. all I'm saying. Okay. All right. So I want to talk about two different. Uh, classes of your clients right sure. so uh let's kind of talk let's kind of shift gears and kind of talk about like more of your high-end clients before okay. we talk about like the beginning stages right uh so high-end in which way like a like let's say like almost a high-end people pay me a lot of money okay yeah, yeah, I like got a you. pro okay. athlete right. right yeah so uh I, I get what you're trying to say <laughs> uh, so a pro athlete is I, I guess i'll let you speak on it like when a pro athlete approaches you what are the common things so obviously there's injury Mm -hmm. But are there ones that just like simply want to improve on, on, uh, so something? that's, you know, that depends on where they're at in their career. If we've got say a minor league baseball player who's still trying to break in mm. the, the number one thing to do with a pro athlete, they come to you in the off season. Right. Okay. Don't break them. Right. Don't fuck them up. They still have to go back and play their season. But if we've got a young, like minor league baseball player who's still trying to break in, we're going to push them a little bit harder than we would say a guy who's been in the league for 10 years and he's making 15 million a year. You just have to keep him on his course, right? Yeah. Fix what the season has done to him, get him back to, to, you know, to neutral and, and, and make sure that, that everything's corrected before they go back into their camp. So give me, give me an example of what that looks like. So someone that is trying to break, well, let's go with the first one, which is someone keeping him on okay. course, right? Sure. So what does that look like? They're on their off-season, let's say they're a baseball player, mm -hmm. right? What does that look like? They're off-season now, 10 years in the game. What now is the process? So it's going to be different for every athlete, right? right. So like you said, yeah, it, it could matter a little bit by position, but basically what we do is we bring them in and we strip them down from a movement standpoint. We do the functional movement screen and, and look at the absolute root of what's going on. You know, over the course of a season, you're going to get shoulder differentials. One shoulder is going to have way more range of motion than the other. And our job is to bring everything back to symmetry, right? Yeah. So get the hips back aligned, get the shoulders working properly again. You have to get the athlete to, to symmetrical before you ship them out again. Um, and you're, you're never going to achieve true symmetry, but you want to get it as close to baseline as possible. And that's and what you do with everyone. Pretty much. Absolutely. Right. right, right, right. So, you know, I, I would, it's, it's dangerous if one leg works very well and one leg doesn't work so well. Right. You know what I mean? And that's, that's, where injury, that's where injury can happen. So, you know, we see it all the time in athletes who have hip differentials. One, one side works a lot better than the other. They have pain in, in the opposite knee, the opposing knee. 
Why is because, that? Because they, they're, they're compensating so much on that bad side of their body that their, their joints are just being beat up on the, on the side that works properly. So what do you do then to potentially fix that? Man, that's a deep question. <laughs> well, like, you know, we don't have to go through the whole thing, but pretty much like what are some of the things you're looking to try to accomplish now? Well, like with Matt, for instance, let's take Matt as an example. He was, you know, I met you, you were pretty fresh out of your college baseball career. Uh, I was still playing adult ball, but yeah. Like, yeah, I was 30. Yeah, okay. So he came in, he had, he had the knee injury, and when we tested his squat pattern, right, um, if I remember correctly, he was a little bit weak on that operated side. He shifted all of his weight over to the, the, the good side. Yeah, he was soft. He was soft. Yeah, he was, yeah. I mean, you guys should have seen this guy. <laughs> but what we had to do is we had to correct all those things through single leg exercises, through mobility drills, we had to get him back to, to functioning properly. So are we tight in the front of the hips? Is it the back of the hips? Are we, do we have mobility issues in the soft tissue? Um, and that's all by process of elimination through the, through the screening process. Let's talk about the screening process. Sure. It was, we've been kind of hinting at it a lot. Like, okay. okay, so this is kind of going back to now, not the athlete, but someone else. Like, okay, so someone walks into you, you have to screen them. What are the things you're looking for? So I know there's, there's certain steps. Right. So it's, it's seven basic human movement patterns. And we, you know, we look at everything from, you know, basically from the ground up, how the ankles work all the way up to how the shoulders and the neck function. But we're looking for average movement across the board, okay? Symmetrical movement from side to side. And when we have asymmetrical movement, that's when we take an exercise and we pull it out of the coffer. We're not going to use that until we can get somebody up to moving properly, you know, then we can throw that exercise back in, like for Matt, the squat. Well, I want to give, I want to give the people a little bit of an example. So one of, the, one of the things that you are doing is that there's like a bar here, mm -hmm. and then like we're reaching back, is that correct? Or, right, so right? the shoulder so, mobility test. Shoulder mobility, Okay, right. so basically, you know, what we're looking for is what is the internal rotation versus external rotation on both sides of the shoulders, right. okay? If we have asymmetry there, and you're somebody who does a whole bunch of bench press, when you hop down on the bench and, and your shoulders aren't functioning equally the right way, uh, you're going to compensate one way or the other. Yeah. And throughout high school, throughout college, throughout your young adulthood, you bench press all the time, all the time, all the time. That is going to eventually lead to injury. What don't you like about what the, the process, like the resistance? or like What are your frustrations right. with, with the educating process, the, the oh, resistance? Because um, like, if, if you walk in there, and this is gonna be most people, their goal is gonna to be to look better naked. Sure, right? absolutely. Like that's, that's the low hanging fruit. No absolutely. matter how they frame it of, I wanna be healthier, I wanna live longer, yada, yada, yada. They don't know enough about right. fitness and nutrition to actually go that path. They just wanna look better. Sure. So how do you sell this idea of like, if you move better, you'll look better? I, get, I don't wanna be one of those guys that bashes the industry, but my frustrations lie within outside of frustrations lie within the six week challenges and the, you know, the lose 30 and 30 and all work. They work they, they, for the six weeks. Sorry. Let me rephrase that. They work in, in getting attention. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, they aren't that successful and, though. And yes. If you walk into a gym on a six week challenge and you follow their diet plan, which is a hugely caloric restricted diet plan, right. and you're in there running around like an idiot for 90 minutes, four to five times a week, guess what? You're absolutely gonna lose weight, okay? Right. You might necessarily lose fat, but you're gonna lose weight. Then what happens when you don't re-up for the next six weeks? 
is you gain weight back again. Mm. And it's this constant cycle, which is why six-week challenges work so well for a gym. Right. Because somebody comes in, they leave, they come back three months later, and they bring a friend, and it's, you know, it's a great business model. Yeah, you're a forever sure. client. Sure, but it's not one that I subscribe to because my, my moral side, I, I don't, that is not my interest, is not short-term health for people. Right. I yeah, mean, yeah, for sure. So, big time. So I think that this like hits really hard with us because, uh, you know, ultimately, and I've spoken to you about this, mm -hmm. like I don't want Solve for Y to just be a platform for uh, poker, right? right? right. I want to expand into other markets because I, if nothing else, I think encapsulating problem solving from, uh, lack of a better term, a giving a shit mm -hmm. standpoint, sure, right? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, it actually helps you strip things down and you get away from the simple answers. We, we don't care how does how do I or what a problem is and how to solve it immediately right mm -hmm. it's why does this problem exist and how can we get to the root cause right so it seems like you have a very similar uh, mindset for fitness how does how does this scale like what are your long-term goals as far as like because I imagine you'd love to see something like this become the new wave absolutely and and I've flirted you know Opening up my new facility is, is a big thing. Uh, you know, that, that is a step in the right direction because I think in that location, we're gonna be able to get our reach out locally to more people. Mm -hmm. The problem with scaling this in, a, in today's world, yeah. in the online world, in the social media world is, there is no good way to do what we do without actually physically seeing the person right. move. I can't scale this into an online program right. because Everybody is different. Every single client that comes into our facility is different. Everybody has different, you know, different needs. Maybe I mean, for, like you yeah, guys. Yeah. So Solve for Y is doing corporate, corporate wellness with us, and there's seven of you, or six of you. Right. And you, you could probably touch on it better as, as the guy who's kind of, uh, you know, set this whole thing up. What has it done for Solve for Y? Oh, I mean, I think, like, the team element aside, because I do think that there's a camaraderie aspect sure. to, to just being constantly in the gym together and pushing each other and things like that. That part aside, you know, there, there's a cognitive benefit to knowing that there's no stress when you walk into the gym, somebody's going to hand you a program and like, you don't have to like stare at all of this equipment. Cause I think like one of the biggest, uh, resistance points for people who are just getting into health and wellness is the overwhelming nature of it all. Right. There's so much faulty information. There's so much, misguided talk and even chin fell victim to this a lot where you know there was still the low-hanging fruit so it's like after a few weeks there it's like i want to bench i'm on bodybuilder.com and i want to do like all of these things because you don't understand like it, it's one of those things where it's very similar to the poker market in that there's a lot of coaches and they say this is good right and then there's people saying that worked for me mm -hmm. so when you're doing your own research and you're just like, well, I like that workout. And these people are saying it's good. Sure. And it's like a beginner program. Then I'm like, yeah, beginner program seems right. Bench presses, squats, uh, curls, whatever. I'm like, I like that. Well, like, you know. And any, any education, any program is better than none. Yeah. Even the yeah. worst program is better than sitting on your right. ass on the couch, right? Um, but it's like, you know, it's like anything. I could go, you know, learn. I'm sure I could walk around the Rio right now and find somebody who's willing to teach me how to play poker. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Poorly. But of course. Right. It's but the it's, same thing. it's better. It's a better education than what I have personally right now. Yeah, that's true. I mean, right. you know, we talked about this the other day when you guys talk about your, you know, all your jargon. I'm like, it's like a foreign language to me. But which it, I think and, it still has the same uh, 
negative long-term effects. So it's like in poker, you build bad habits, right. and then uh, maybe you win for the short term, but then like you have these like long-term bad habits that are tough to break. Yeah, it's yeah. really tough for us right. to like have people check their baggage at the door. Right. Be like, everything you learned up until this point is faulty in some capacity, sure. just due to the anecdotal nature in which you learned it. So you need to be able to be open-minded to like new concepts. And a lot of people are just really resistant. Right. And, well, and I, you know, I, that goes to what, you know, we were talking about earlier with resistances and the negative aspect. Like when you guys do your, your academies here, I'm sure a lot of it is telling people what they're doing wrong yeah. and how to fix it. Yeah. Right. Sugarcoating that is hard. Very. And I don't sugarcoat. You guys know I'm me. I'm not great at it either. I don't sugarcoat at all. <laughs> but because there's no, I, I don't see a point in fluffing something that is so important. I mean, if you're here to learn poker, that's a very important thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's, that's something, it's an earning capability for you. Mm -hmm. If you come to my gym, it's because there's something has broken down in the system for you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. So your brother, uh, you've been training your brother for a long time? Yeah. Okay. And now he's going to go into potentially like in pro sports? So right now he's playing independent baseball, okay. pro league, um, in the hopes that he will, yeah, work his way up into minor leagues and, and pro ball eventually. Like, do you feel a little bit like a responsibility to get him to a point where he could get there? Far too much responsibility. I beat myself up about it all the time. You know, if he's not playing well or he's not, yeah. It, it, so me and my brother, 10 and a half years apart, 10 years apart, um, he's my dude. You know what I mean? Like growing up with him, you know, kind of took him for granted, obviously, when I was 15. I'm like, you know, get the yeah. hell away. but that's my dude. Like. Uh, he tore his ACL, his first football game of his freshman or his senior year of high school, uh, and he was, you know, he had some serious looks for baseball. Um, he got, you know, he planted, and some guy dove in and went helmet first into his knee and tore his ACL. So we had a torrid road just to get him back on the field for baseball season, and it was almost six and a half months to the date of surgery we had him back on the field. 100% full and ready to go. Wow. You know, every, every off-season that he's home, yeah, we spend a lot of time working together. I spent hourless hours in the cage with him this off-season. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I follow his career pretty damn close. And it's, you know, it's a big deal for me. Because I couldn't make it. I wasn't good enough. <laughs> <laughs> he's a thousand times the athlete I could ever dream to be. Being, being so. aware of your athletic ceiling is one of the most humbling feelings. I was ever, never I aware of it. I'm still not. Yeah. I'm still not. I, I'm pretty sure I could step on the field cold right now and yeah. embarrass myself. Yeah. <laughs> All um, right, man. Let's, let's wrap this on cool. uh, one final thing. Yeah. If you could uh, basically give one simple piece of advice to like point people in the right direction as to how to start this journey. What's like the best entry point? Beware of fitness gimmicks. If it promises something in the short term, it's probably not going to be beneficial for you. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that's really it. I, I think that's like really spot on. Yeah. Uh, you can't, you cannot unfuck 20 years of poor movement and poor nutrition with a six, 10, 12 week plan. Right. It's impossible. Yeah. I can't tell you how many pamphlets and, and 50 page ebooks and right. things like that. Men's that I Health Magazine. Sure. Yeah, just, you know, the, the six pack abs and the never ending quest for abs, <laughs> yeah. right? It's just like, how do I possibly get? And at some point, you recognize it's a combination of DNA, it's a combination of diet, where you're willing to lean out and you're willing to be caloric to, uh, at a caloric deficit. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's just proper fundamental training. I mean, 
you know, when we look at these people on fitness magazines and stuff like that, they, they look great, they look fantastic, but they look like that for the shoot. Mm -hmm. and, and they don't walk around like that 365 days out of the year. Um, unless they're Conrad. Unless they're Conrad. Right. Yeah. Uh, at some point, the overall health has to outweigh the gimmicks. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just be fixated on one superficial thing. You have to think long-term. Yeah. You have to think long-term health. You have to think longevity. So for all the poker players that are out here for the summer and potentially for good, where can, yeah. they, where can they find you? Uh, so right now, we are located right by the Rio. We're about five minutes away on uh, Spring Mountain and I-15, basically. We are relocating to the 215 and Buffalo on the southwest side of town. Um, but we are, we're building a brand new, beautiful facility. We're going to be offering, uh, with our current programming and semi-private training, we will be offering some group fitness classes. Um, we're going to be doing it differently than anybody else. We're going to be making sure that they're safe very effective and uh um you know i'm really looking forward to getting that place open cool yeah we'll uh we'll drop your your new website if anybody has any questions we'll be able to get you an email absolutely cool yep. really appreciate yeah. you doing this man cool man thanks thank you guys appreciate it so i guess like talk a little bit about that whole process of trying to figure out what's bullshit and what's actually worth digesting for me specifically it was a lot easier because I had, you know, I had you, I had Dan who were like, you know, already pretty much in the process or, or at least like a lot further along in the process than I was. So it was a lot easier to just like be annoying and be like, yo, you know, that if you did this, like your markers do this. And it's just like, you know, that's, that's, that's much easier. Yeah. But even just trying to like find things that you guys didn't know, it was fun, but it was like within doing that, you end up like running into a lot of things that are just like speculative yeah. and or, or just simply like, oh, this is better for you than this and, and things like that. Just like as it pertains to the nutrition stuff, it was like everything is correlated to an effect on your body and everybody has a theory about it. So it's like carbs are good uh, before the gym because they give you uh, more energy and you have more power to lift or there or carbs are good after the gym because like they refuel your muscles and it's like and then the other the other science is like well no if you don't eat after the gym your hgh levels go like skyrocket and that's good so you actually should be waiting like two or three hours to eat and it's like all right who the fuck is right and who the fuck is wrong so i think you know? i think the process is the problem there right because uh when you're talking about like when should you eat carbs when should you be fasted like and and all these processes that occur inside your body you're looking at a very micro level, right? It's effectively a hand history. Right. It's like saying, well, what, what should you do with Jack's under the gun? Yeah. And it's just like, okay, well, that doesn't really matter. It's what are you doing with your overall strategy? And the same thing occurs here. If you don't understand all the systems that are at place when you eat carbohydrates right. and like what fuel stores are actually being allocated and also like what your, your body is going through whenever you're under physical stress, yeah. like, Basically, like, if you start with the premise of, like, you should eat carbs before the gym because it, it allows you to uh, increase your power. Why? Right. Right? And if you go down that path, what you'll find is, like, there are three energy sources that we utilize. Uh, right. th there are quick bursts where we utilize adrenaline. There's uh, our carbohydrate stores where we utilize that for power. And then, you know, we get into our fat stores whenever uh, the other two are exhausted. Um you know, now all of a sudden you can begin to encapsulate that under, well, what goals do I have and what journey do I want to go down? But that's really hard because everybody starts at the micro level. Correct. 
right? Like there's no just and, and big all the, question. And all the articles are just written that way. Yeah. So it's like when you're doing research, it's just like, okay, effectively like you're, you start with the Google, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just like beginning workouts or like whatever it is that yeah. you search, right? Or like beginning nutrition, like, like whatever, nutrition and gym, whatever it is that you search. And then these articles pop out and that's what they're going to tell you. Like effect, and they're not wrong per se, but they could be wrong. It's only one part of the picture. Is correct. The correct. And it, and it simply could just be wrong for you. So like, what sources have you found to be like the most reliable to at least expanding your knowledge base? For me, it's just been understanding, uh, the new science that's coming out in, in terms of like, you know, the goal of this podcast, don't get it twisted, is to get Rhonda Patrick on this podcast. Right. For you know, sure. That, that'll 100%. be that'll be the ultimate goal at some point. But honestly, just her and everyone in that field, like, you know, we heard a, a pod with uh, Walter, uh, Walter Longo, like all the Dom Diagostino, all these people that are like cutting edge on the both uh, longevity and nutrition field have like really uncovered a lot of things that the bro science has has put forth for At a least long ignored, time. Yeah. Right. Or no, or they or they've disproven like yeah, 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 a yeah. lot of the right. bro science that has put forth. Right. So like I feel like I got in like a pretty good time where like a lot of these new sciences are advancing so fast. And just like just understanding it from like a scientific level instead of me understanding it only because of like what I want to accomplish. Right. Uh, has been like important to me because now I can put the pieces together of like, okay, a sauna is good because of this, mm -hmm. not because I'm sweating. Right. Like that's just stupid. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh yeah, you're sweating a lot. So you're losing weight. It's like, no, you're, you're sweating a lot because you're putting stress on your body. Right. And these, these things have a, 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 an effect. Yeah. I think, you know? I think qualifying the, uh, the sources from which you get your information is really critical. And it's hard to get outside that bias, right? So here's a great example. Uh, I love Last Weekend Tonight. John Oliver, I think, is very witty. Uh, it's an intelligent show. They do a lot of their own research, and it seems to be like generally pretty good with the way that they lead uh, big topics and problems of the world that we should concern ourselves with. Yeah. That glass was shattered for me when they did a piece on daily fantasy sports. Now, suddenly, they're talking about an industry that I'm very well versed in. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing like piles of propaganda being thrown, yeah. a lot of misinformation, a lot of uh, misleading stuff where they're cherry picking information. And all of a sudden, like my mind just goes, oh no, this was never a reliable source. Yeah. Right? That's fair. Almost everything that he's talking about is going to be slanted in some, some way, shape, or form to his comedy, to his views. Uh, to whatever you know message he's trying to get across and suddenly I just like became very cognizant of the fact of like okay I need to start seeing everything through a speculative mindset because even the people that I put on the highest pedestals uh, if I haven't actually gone through the process of vetting their sources then suddenly I'm subjected to not only my own biases but theirs as well well that's the thing I, I think that you know when you know, a couple of years back when I first got into uh, coaching poker, I, I just had this like disdain for the way certain books and articles and things like that were written. And I had a conversation with very well-known author. Uh, I, you know, I don't need to kind of say uh, who it is, but effectively I was like, I don't think what you're teaching is valuable to pros, mm -hmm. right? 
the response was, if, if you and I were to take tennis lessons, we have no aspiration to be pros, but the instructor would teach you things that would help you enjoy yourself, right? And I think a lot of people view when they're giving out information similar to that metric yeah. of you don't really need to understand the why, just like do these kind of things and you'll have a good time. Yeah. You know, what are your thoughts on that perspective? So there's a big difference between playing tennis recreationally and living a more healthy life. And I think that that barrier absolutely needs to be drawn. And I, you're right. Like most of the information that you're going to find in fitness and nutrition is bullshit that caters to people who just want to be 10% better than they were yesterday. Right. But the plateau there is very fast and very low. Right. So I think that like with sciences like that, where it's all about optimization and in improving your lifestyle and things along those lines, you need to be striving for ceilings not for just elevating the floor 10%, right? So uh, I think that there's a huge responsibility to industry leaders to put their best foot forward. And that's why like, I asked you to qualify like your sources and stuff because I know a lot of people listening are maybe at the beginning of this journey and they're just yeah. like, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. Yeah. Start with science, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, when it all distills down, start with science because even though there's a lot of them out there that I disagree with, um, they're still coming from a fundamental place. There's a, a big debate between, I think it was Dom D'Agostino and somebody else. I remember. It was yeah. uh, veganism versus uh, paleo yeah. or veganism versus keto, one or the other. Yeah. I, I can't recall. It was keto. And obviously, like, I lean towards keto. But I do respect that, uh, you know, veganism is attempting to, basically, they're both in, in, encapsulated in, in eating whole foods. And I think that that's relatively important. So I should listen to the other side. There was somebody on Joe Rogan who was, uh, he was like in his 60s or 70s, he was an older vegan doctor uh, or vegan scientist. And he was speaking to like, um, you know, the studies and stuff like that. And he sounded really misleading, we'll say. Okay. It just sounded like he was pushing a narrative. Uh, and a lot of the research, uh, I think other people were like pushing back on and kind of debunking a little bit. And you see this a lot with like documentaries like Forks Over Knives where they lean on the China study. Uh, a lot of times whenever some sort of fitness or nutrition movement doesn't have much of a backbone, they'll lead on very faulty science and they'll lead on cherry picking stuff because it sounds yeah. easy to qualify, right? Just do your own due diligence, right? F don't, don't only listen to things that gravitate to your nature. Like if I only listened to Dom D'Agostino and, yeah. and Rhonda Patrick and these others, then I would be falling victim to the John Oliver trait, right? Where it's like, they're just gonna get some shit wrong. Right. And I don't want to become victim to their biases. Uh, even, uh, I can't remember the link you sent me the other day. Walter Longo. Oh, yeah, the Walter yeah. Longo. I, I was watching it with, like, speculative eyes. And I'm just like, you know, he's cherry-picking a lot of shit here. He's out on a limb saying some things that, like, a lot of other really intelligent people in a similar camp would strongly disagree with. Yeah. And, like, and I think, I, you know what's I like these people like, like Walter Longo and, and like, because I like that they go out on the limb. Agreed. Too. You know, Agreed. it's like it's like no, nah, man. Like I did this study, and this is what I got. So like, yes, I like, I agree. We have to do more, but like, I'm standing here right now. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's good. You know, I think like, it's fine too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the message I'm trying to get across to everybody is, uh, while doing your own research, don't do it in a way where you're looking for something you can implement tomorrow. Right. right? Understand that this is a long term process, just like training for poker, just like trying to get better at anything else, anything optimization based. It's going to be something where you get your foot in the door, 
you get bombarded by a bunch of garbage and then you weed through it and you try to find some treasures, right? Yeah, yeah. So find those principal metrics that you can build off of and they're always gonna be rooted in science, especially when you're talking about the body. Even though this is relatively new and undiscovered, we still understand some basic principles. Yeah, man, I, I want the people to tell us what they wanna hear too because I feel like we are, like, we're a poker fitness podcast. <laughs> right now. Yeah. Um, but I, started, I, I started a Reddit thread, man. We're good. They're going to give us all the, all the feedback. Yeah. No, but it's fine. I, I think that there are some, definitely some topics I want to cover as it pertains to just overall things. Like, obviously, I think I want to cover just, like, women in the poker industry. I think that's, like, a big thing, just uh, covering that, covering more AI stuff as it pertains to poker. Like, we, you and I watched that, uh, that Go uh, oh, AlphaGo doc. AlphaGo doc. Alpha yeah. I, I think that translates well to like how things are seen in poker today. Uh, so there's a lot of topics that, you know, I have a notebook full of topics that uh, I want to introduce on this podcast, like over the next year. And what I want to see like come of this is be able to create a platform uh, adjacent to this podcast where we're actually having healthy debate with panels. Mm. Like I would love to get. Uh, a, a small panel of say like three to, or sorry, four to six people where we have some sort of debate as to how to grow interest of women in poker or, uh, you know, GTO versus exploitative, even though I think that's a bullshitty type of uh, uh, kind of like combative thing. Like I think they actually intertwine rather than pit against one right. another, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And like, you know, even going further, like, uh, CrossFit versus functional movement, yeah. uh, veganism versus versus keto. Yeah, Dems versus reps. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like my ultimate goal isn't even to like crown somebody a winner. It's I, I, I want to start showing both sides of the argument because I do think it's so incredibly important to get like full information rather than our biased view on right. someone else's biased view of this unknown thing. Certainly. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's very, very good. Uh, so I'm really happy with all the, all the feedback we've gotten on the, on the vlogcast so far. So if you haven't subscribed, subscribe. If you haven't liked it, like it. If you haven't commented, comment. Help us out, help us grow, help Berkey become mo even more famous in poker, help me become a little famous in poker. If you see me in the hallway, don't say hi. I'm just kidding. But uh, maybe take a picture. I need, I need more pictures. Bricky's the only one with the fucking pictures, man. Take out the camera. Say what's up to me. Take a picture. We'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody who's taking a picture this summer, too, send it to us. Let's, let's get a little collage. Oh, uh, great. Now Bricky wants the fucking... If I say take a picture with me, now Bricky wants all, like, all 50 pictures no, first no, no. I, to I, him. No, I want them to send you the pictures they take of you, too. I want them to send the pictures that they, they take with me only to you. Okay. I'm cool with that. <laughs> Just don't give him my number. All right. Well, with that said, it is a wrap for vlogcast number four, and we'll see you all next time.